Chapter forty three of Thomas Wingfold, Curate. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Chessie Joy. Thomas Wingfold, Curate by George MacDonald. Chapter forty three. Home again. The curate had entered the draper's shop in the full blaze of sunset, but the demon of unbelief sat on his shoulders. He could get no nearer his heart, but that was enough to make of the majestical roof fretted with golden fire a foul and pestilent congregation of vapours. When he left the shop, the sun was far below the horizon, and the glory had faded out of the west, but the demon had fled, and the brown feathers of the twilight were beautiful as the wings of the silver dove, sprung heavenwards from among the pots, and as he went he reasoned with himself. Either there is a god, and that god the perfect heart of truth and loveliness, or all poetry and art is but an unsown, unplanted, rootless flower, crowning a somewhat symmetrical heap of stones. The man who sees no beauty in its petals, finds no perfume in its breath, may well accord it the parentage of the stones. The man whose heart swells, beholding it, will be ready to think it has roots that reach below them. The curate's search, it will be remarked, had already widened greatly the sphere of his doubts, but the larger the field, the greater the chance of finding a moral pit, and if there be such a thing as truth, every fresh doubt is yet another finger-post pointing towards its dwelling. So talked the curate to himself, and, full in the face, rounding the corner of a street, met George Bascombe. The young barrister held out his large, hospitable hand at the full length of his arm, and spread abroad his wide chest to greet him, and they went through the ceremony of shaking hands, which, even in their case, I cannot judge so degrading and hypocritical as the Latin nations seem to consider it. Then Wingfold had the first word. "'I have not yet had an opportunity of thanking you for the great service you have done me,' he said. I am glad to know I have such an honour, but, I mean, in opening my eyes to my true position. Oh, my dear fellow, I was sure you only required to have your attention turned in the right direction, when, ah, uh, I, I, I was on the verge of committing the solecism of asking you when you thought of resigning. Ha, <laughs> ha! Not yet, replied Wingfold to the question, thus at once withdrawn and put. The more I look into the matter, the more reason I find for hoping it might be possible for me to to keep the appointment. Oh! The further I inquire, the more I am convinced that, if not in a certain portion of what the Church teaches, then no more else, and assuredly not in what you teach, shall I find anything by which life can either account for or justify itself. But if what you find is not true— cried George, with a burst of semi-grand indignation. "'But if what I find should be true, even though you should never be able to see it,' returned the curate, and, as if dejected by an explosion between them, the two men were ten paces asunder, each hurrying his own way. "'If I can't prove there is a God,' said Wingfold to himself, "'as little surely can he prove there is none.' But then came the thought. "'The fellow will say that,' there being no sign of a god, the burden of proof lies with me. And therewith he saw how useless it would be to discuss the question with any one who, not seeing him, had no desire to see him. No, he said, 
my business is not to prove to any other man that there is a god but to find him for myself if i should find him there will be time enough to think of showing him and with that his thoughts turned from bascom and went back to the draper when he reached home he took out his sonnet but after working at it for a little while he found that he must ease his heart by writing another here it is methought that in a solemn church i stood its marble acres worn with knees and feet lay spread from door to door from street to street midway the form hung high upon the rood of him who gave his life to be our good beyond priests flitted bowed and murmured meet among the candles shining still and sweet men came and went and worshipped as they could and still their dust a woman with her broom bowed to her work kept sweeping to the door then saw i slow through all the pillared gloom across the church a silent figure come daughter it said thou sweepest well my floor it is the lord i cried and saw no more i suppose if one could stop the throat of the blossom-buried nightingale that though he might breathe at will he could no longer sing he would drop from his bough and die of suppressed song perhaps some men so die i do not know it were better than to live and to bore their friends with the insuppressible but however this may be the man who can utter himself to his own joy in any of the forms of human expression let him give thanks to god and if he give not his verses to the printer he will probably have cause to give thanks again to the man's self the utterance is not the less invaluable and so wingfold found it he went out again and into the churchyard where he sat down on a stone how strange he said to himself that out of faith should have sprung that stone church a poor little poem now and then is all that stands for mine all that shows that is for my heart does sometimes burn within me if only i could be sure they were his words that set it burning end of chapter forty three